Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we greet you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Again, it is good to be here this morning. This week, we're going to come from the same text that we came from last week. We're going to look at it from a different viewpoint. Uh, the, the passage from last week is such a powerful passage. And there are so many messages that you can take and derive from this passage of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. Exception this morning, we're going to just read two verses. We want to read verse number 7, and then we're going to read verse number 9. Say amen when you have it. Romans 8 and 7, it says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse number 9. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. From this passage of scripture, I would like to title this message, Put Your Rocks Down. Put Your Rocks Down. We live in a time and an age where good old fasting judging a circumstance or a situation has taken a negative connotation. We no longer want to judge anybody or anything. And understand that we as believers should have enough Jesus inside of us. We ought to have enough word inside of us that we can judge righteously. The problem of the matter is that most folk don't want to judge anybody. And the reason why we don't want to judge anybody is because we don't want to be judged. But understand that there is going to be a great judgment that is going to come. And all of us will be judged according to what we did with the lives in which God has given us. And don't let a part of your judgment being you not standing up and standing against sin for the fear that someone is going to perhaps point out your sins. We live in a time now where we want a judgment-free zone. And understand that it is impossible for us not to judge. As a matter of fact, we make over thousands of judgments every day. Anytime you make a decision, you must judge which direction or which decision is best. So judging is not outside of the parameters of who we are as human beings. But why is it that when it comes to sin, we as believers want to take a back seat when it comes to judging sin? Well, because the parameters for it is it's pretty high. Because the scriptures in, in Matthew 7 said, judge not, lest ye be judged. 
Now that Jesus was not telling the hearers that you cannot judge anybody. It's just telling us that we need to be in a right position to judge others' affairs. The first position that you need to be in is that you need to be in a position of loving that individual enough to tell them the truth. It's, it's like someone about to uh, uh, walk into a, a, a burning building and you don't say anything. It's someone walking to a certain death and you never utter a word. You let them continue to walk in that direction. That's what happens when we won't warn people. When we won't call out sin. We have a responsibility as being Christians to warn people and tell them that the wages of sin is death. And the only way that you can do that is that you judge the individual conduct. If you're living right, if you're living in, a, in, in accordance to God's word, then you should not have a, a problem with this. If you're living according to what God is doing, then you shouldn't have a problem with this. The problem with it is, is that we've lowered the moral compass in our society today. The standards have been lowered, but understand that God's standards can never and will never be lowered. And any church that will allow and, and sit back and allow anyone to lower the standards in which God has set it's not really a church because God has called us all to a standard. Jesus sets the rules when it comes for judging in Matthew, the seventh chapter. The first verse, he says, judge not that you be not judged. Listen here. This is the part that gets most of it. He says, for the, with the same judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with the same measure meet ye meet it shall be measured unto you. So in order to avoid that, we just take a no judgment zone in the church. We wanna allow people to come up in the church and do and say and act any kind of way for fear that our sin is going to be pointed out. But God is concerned about this. And each and every one of us should be concerned about it as well. This is a wicked world in which we're living in. And judging has been going on since man has been down here on earth and he fell from grace. God judged Adam in the, in the garden and we've been judging ever since. As a matter of fact, there's an entire book in the Old Testament named Judges. And it's given judges for that very reason, because these were 12 judges that stood and sat and judged the people. They told the people when they were wrong. But the very last verse in the book of Judges says something like this. And there was no king in Israel, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. And I'm afraid that's what's happening today is that people want to do what's right in their own eyes. They, they, they don't want nobody to tell them that they're in sin. As a matter of fact, we don't even want to call it sin anymore. We call it a mistake or an error in judgment. But the Bible calls it sin. 
It's sin before the Lord. Jesus goes on in the seventh chapter and he tells him that. He, he said, listen, listen, before you judge anybody, he said, take the beam or the, the telephone pole out your own eye. In other words, sweep around your own backyard before you go try to sweep around somebody else's backyard. Understand that, that, that folk need to hear the word of God. And if we are the people of God, have the word of God and never share with any, anyone. What good is the church? We have a responsibility. But we also have a responsibility to do it with love and compassion. This is what God has called us to do. He said, he said, he said, he said remove the plank out of your own eye. Before you try to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Understand that the plank and the splinter are made of the same material. It's just that you got more of it in your eye. And you really can't see clearly to be able to take it out of your brother's eye. I'm just amazed at how, how, how quickly we can find fault in everyone else. We can identify everybody else's sin, but we can't really identify our sin. And that's a problem. But understand, that's why when we judge like Jesus judged, that's the reason why it's necessary. Because you may not be able to see your sin. And you need a spiritual loving brother to restore you, to come to you, and to share with you, and let you know that, yeah, listen, you're, you're in sin. That, that, that's really what it takes if we're going to accurately judge. The Bible has always told us that we should judge. As a matter of fact, in, in Romans 16, it tells us to mark out that decisive brother, that brother that's sowing division, that takes a level of judging someone. He, he, Hebrews, in, in the fifth chapter, it said that we are to discern that which is good and that which is evil. That takes a matter of judging. Matthew 18 deals with the rebellious brothers. Well, how do you know he's rebellious? Unless you judge. It's not if we should judge. It's how we should judge. And we're to always judge with the end goal being repentance. As a matter of fact, before you even judge anybody, you should already be mapping out a plan in your head how you're going to help this brother get out of this situation. Be 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 before you even go to him, begin to look at how, how can I help him get out of this? Because at the end of the day, I don't want to see this brother be consumed. I don't want to see him be condemned. My whole mentality is that you might repent. That, that, that you might be able to see your sin as God sees your sin. And so we need to roll up our sleeves before we start judging people. Seeing how we're gonna, how are we gonna be able, how are we gonna help them get out of this mess? Because understand that each and every one of us was in a mess at one time or not. Anybody with me this morning? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was in my sin. 
And I needed somebody to pray with me and get me out of I'm still struggling with some things. I need folk to pray for me. Don't ever stop praying for me. And I'm not beyond being corrected if I'm in sin. By all means, if I'm in sin, pull my coattail. Because sin is always going to be sin in God's eyes. I, I, I don't care what the government says. Abortion is still a sin. It's murder. Homosexuality is still sin. It will always be sin. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got, how famous you are. It's still a sin. And will always be a sin. Too, too, too many pastors are, are, are too afraid to really say this. Because they know that they're preaching to a whole lot of sinful folk. And they know that if they say the wrong thing, it, 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 contributions going to go down. But understand that, that even if it's here, if this is God's church, he's going to sustain the church. It ain't about the preacher. It ain't about the pastor. It's God's church. It belongs to him. We have a responsibility. We have a right and a responsibility to judge. The problem comes in is that, 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 that we often fall into two different categories when it comes to judging. Either we're critical judges or we're charitable judges. Critical judges are ones that are always looking for, to find fault. And as mama used to say, if you look long enough, you'll find something. These are the type of the people that are always looking to find fault in people. They very rarely, if ever, come with any type of solutions. Really all they want to do is just point the finger at folk. They are superficial in their judging. Superficial judging is, is passing judgment on somebody based solely upon what, what they look like. And we have that. We have that, whereas we pass judgment on people on how they look. I was going to show a video this morning. And I don't know, maybe you've seen it, but there was a church in Ferguson. St. Louis, four armed men came into the church with mask on and they sat in the back of the building and the pastor, as he was preaching, who was an ex-police officer, had a discernment that there was something that was not right about these men. And they show in the video how the pastor goes down the aisle and he stands before these men and begins to ask them questions. But they're not questions that are, 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 point, are pushing the people out of the church. He's letting them know that, listen, I have the spirit of God living inside of me. And I know what you're doing is not going to be right. God has given me power and authority over this. And he begins to pray for these four men. He begins to preach to these four men. And these four men 
put down everything that they have and march right out the church, stopping and foiling Satan's plan all in one swoop. I'm saying this is because that we've had some incidents here at church where we've had people who have come in here who perhaps did not mean us any good. But I want us to be careful in how we deal with these type of people. I don't want us casting, you know, aspersions on folk that just don't dress like we dress, but decide they want to come to church. I, I, I don't want us to make assumptions about people. I want people to come in and be able to relax in the house of the Lord and, and enjoy the service and enjoy the worship here. Because understand the fact that we have a magnificent security team here who is on high alert. They do a magnificent job. But I want us to understand that it's not the security team that's keeping us. It's Jesus that's keeping us. I thank God for them. And they are necessary. It's a shame. It's a sin and a shame that it's necessary to have security in the church today. But it is necessary. You must have them. But thanks be to God that the Bible said that God is able to keep us from falling. God is able to keep us and protect us. So don't look down on folk just because of the way that they're dressed. Don't, don't, don't look down on them because they now say the things that you think they ought to say. Perhaps they don't praise God like you praise God. Because yes, we even make superficial judgments amongst one another. Oh, oh, she ain't got as much Holy Ghost as me. Oh, that brother's not as spiritual as me. You know, that, 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 that reminds me of the Pharisee in the public. You remember them? How they stood up and the, and the, and the Pharisee said, I thank God that I'm not like this publican or any of these other. I don't, I don't commit the sins that they commit. He was lifted up within himself. He was lifted up in pride. But this one little tax collector said, Lord, have mercy on me, a poor sinner. Let us not be like this Pharisee. The problem, the reality of it is the spirit of Pharisees has really crept into the church. Because we start looking down on other folk. And that's what we have in our presence today. We have these Pharisees, these scribes, two groups that should have knew better because the scribes were charged with interpreting God's law, his word. The Pharisees claimed to be great prevailers of God's word. They were pious, they were prideful, they were puffed up. They, they, they felt like they had an exclusive right to God. Even to the point that they couldn't even recognize God when he was standing in their presence. They were puffed up, they were treacherous, and they were religious. These folk today would be called church folk. 
You see, we, we don't really label them as being Christians. They're church folk. They are people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. You see, because when the power of God is working in you, it is inclusive. You draw people in. You're trying to help people get to where they need to be at. But as quick as we bring them in, there are some that run them right back out the door. Because we become sometimes Pharisaic. These Pharisees, these scribes, did the right thing. Because they did judge the sin. The problem is, is that at the same time that they judged her sin, they condemned her. Well, you say, preacher, how do you know that they condemned her? Well, the fact that they had rocks in their hand told me that they condemned her. You see, because the end result of an adulterous person was that they would be stoned to death. So be careful when you're judging that you don't make some preconceived notion about a person before you have all the facts. Before you know everything. There, there, there are so many times that we cast people into hell and we don't even know what we're talking about. You see, because there's one element when it comes to judgment that we don't have. And that is the ability to see an individual's heart. God does not look at, God looks at the heart. All we can see is the external. And until a person opens up their mouths and confesses their sin, we can't make any type of judgment whatsoever. But understand the fact that this woman that they brought before Jesus was guilty. By all accounts, she was guilty. And yes, according to the Levitical law, she deserved death. But let's stick a pin in that right now because the Bible says that any sin deserves death. The scripture in the text says that the wages of sin is death. Before you start throwing a rock at this adulterer, maybe you haven't physically committed adultery, but the Bible said you have lust in your heart. You've already committed adultery. Maybe you haven't committed murder yet. But the Bible said that if you have anger in your heart, you're just as guilty as the murderer. If you're a liar, you're just as guilty as a murderer, an adulterer, and any other sin. So therefore, we must look inside of ourselves. We need to clean up what's on the inside of us. We need to conduct ourselves like, like God has commanded us to conduct ourselves. Stop spending so much time looking at that in, uh, out someone, in someone else's windows. Call sin, sin. But be willing to help. Be, be willing to live a life worthy of it. 
Don't, 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 don't be so afraid that folk going to point out your sin. Clean up. Let the Lord clean you up. He'll do it. I know he will. He cleaned me up. When I was sinking deep in sin, God reached down in the ceiling and he pulled me out of my sin. Cleaned me up. Put me on a, on a firm foundation in Christ Jesus. Listen, I, I didn't get it right overnight. There was some time that I struggled. I had some hard times. And I was like Paul, the things that I know I should be doing, I wasn't doing. The things that I shouldn't do, I was doing. I came to the same clue. Oh, wretched man am I. Who can save me from this body of sin? Well, it's God that can do it. They bring this woman before Jesus. As they should have. But they came with the wrong motives. They came with the wrong reasoning. Listen here. They did not love this woman enough to have her repent. They cared nothing about her repenting. What they really wanted to do is they really wanted to trap Jesus. But like I said, you can't trap somebody that knows all things. Jesus seen this coming before you even woke up that morning, brother Pharisee, sister Pharisee. He, he, he knew what you had in plan. And so look at Jesus. There's nothing wrong with you judging this woman. But put your rocks down. And that's my message to you this morning. It's okay for us to judge. It's expected for us to judge. We're to tell people when, when we're in sin and make sure that we're clean first. But put your rocks down. Because you don't have any authority whatsoever to condemn anybody. None of us do. That is God's doing. God is the one that has a heaven and a hell for anybody. It's not our job to put anybody in heaven or in hell. Let us just make sure we're going to heaven. Let's make sure we're going to the right place. And if by strength you can help somebody else along the way, then okay, help them on the way to get to heaven. And the way you help them is by living a life before them, encouraging them. Yes, even times, sometimes pushing them, giving them a little nudge every now and again. But they had no interest in this woman. Their whole motive was to trap Jesus. And Jesus sits here, and, he, and, he, and he, he's sitting in the midst of the, they, they, they cast her in the midst of it. And Jesus stoops down. And I told you last week, I don't know what he wrote on the ground, but I'm interested in his stoop. Because when Jesus stooped down, he came in eye level with the woman. He had left the attention of the people who were around him. He wasn't concerned about the naysayers. His focus was on the woman. And the, much in the same way, when we begin to judge people, it needs to be on the, on the individual. I need to come down to your level sometimes. 
Sometimes we get so high and mighty, we got our head in the clouds. Sometimes we need to come down on folks' level. Sometimes we need to feel what they feel. Sometimes we need to understand it from their point of view before we can really help them get out of their circumstance, out of their situation. In other words, be more personal with, with, with people. Understand that all of us are weak in our flesh. And it's only by the Spirit of God that we can make it. Jesus comes down on her level. He identifies, he knows her. He knows her heart. He knows what he's going to do. When he rises up again, he begins to speak to them. And what he says to them, the Bible says, cuts them to their conscience. Tells me that everyone has a conscience. Yes, even these hard-hearted Pharisees and scribes. That even the word of God is able to pierce their hearts. Because Jesus stood up and looked them in the eye now. And he said, let them of you, among you, who is without sin, cast the first stone. No, 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 no. I'm glad that he said, let him who is among you cast the first stone. Because if he had not have said that, Jesus would have had to cast the stone himself. Because he's the only one that was in that room that was without any type of sin. And understand this, that if Jesus ain't throwing those stones at nobody, I certainly ought to be throwing those stones at nobody. Because in the end, my goal is to get you to see Christ. My goal is to get you to repent, to come out of your sin, to understand that there is a better way for you, that you don't have to keep getting beat up and beat down by the devil. You don't have to keep getting plagued and, and, and by sin. God is able. So while you're making your judgments, you take them to Jesus. Make sure you introduce them to Jesus. Make sure you let them know that he is, a, he is a God that can and will forgive their sin if they would yet repent. He's able to do so. The Bible says that they were cut in their conscience. And one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their stones. My message to you is put your stones down. You can still judge, just put your stones down. Because we're here to win this world. It, 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 listen, it, it's, not, it's not about getting, getting, uh, getting them, uh, having them die in their sin. That's not what this is about. This is not even about them getting punished for their sins. Why? Because Jesus took that upon himself. And he forbear. Forbear for, for, for means that, 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 that Jesus took her sin and he put it aside for payment for a future date. Y'all missed that, right? G Jesus still has not gone to the cross yet. He, he's forbear her sin. Listen, listen, right at the height of the pandemic, let me help you understand this. Right at the height of the pandemic, when people were losing their jobs and they didn't have money to pay their mortgages, they were struggling with it. 
even with getting the stimulus checks. The mortgage companies weren't getting their money. Louis Vuitton and Gucci was getting theirs. Y'all will get that later. But the mortgage companies weren't getting their money. And so what they did is they put in what's known as a forbearance program. Now understand, understand that the debt was not canceled. The debt was put towards the end that when things got better for you, you could pay the debt off. Well, God's forbearance plan is a little bit different. Because God's forbearance plan is that, that yeah, yes, you've sinned, but I've put it at the end at Calvary's cross that that's where the debt will be paid at. So no, woman, you have not gotten away with your sin. The debt still needs to be paid. The good news is that you don't have to pay it. I'll pay it in the future. I'm going to pay it at Calvary. That's the good news of the gospel. Is that all of your sins have been paid for. The Bible said that Jesus came and died for the sins of the world. Listen here, that's both past, present, and future sins had already been paid for at Calvary. And I understand that this is not a license for you to go out there and sin since your debt been made. No, by no means. Jesus clears that up. He tells the woman, he said, now go and sin no more. In other words, you, you really have not gotten away with anything. There was an awesome price paid because of this. As, as a matter of fact, in, in, in the book of Romans, the second chapter, Paul talks about that. He talks about the forbearance and the long-suffering of God. The grace of God is there that you might lead you to repentance. The hope here is, is that you might see the goodness of God and what he's done for you and say, I, I'm determined I'm not going to sin against God. It ought to cause something in you. I know at least it does for me. Because I realize that, that, that when I sin against God, I put him back on the cross. I crucify him afresh. Christ has to go through the same agony all over again because of my sinfulness. So that's what helps me keep straight. That, that, that's what helped me keep moving and marching towards holiness and righteousness. Yes, I have his imparted righteousness, but there is some righteousness we need to walk out. There's some holiness that we need to walk out. People need to be able to see it. Why? Because Christ paid an awesome price for it. In order for us to receive his righteousness, God's righteousness cannot dwell in an unclean vessel. So God had to do something about our sin first. He couldn't deposit his Holy Spirit in us while we were yet sick in our iniquity and our sin. So it was he, him, God that decided that I'm going to send my son, Jesus the Christ, down here on earth. Yes, he did. He came down here on earth to live amongst us. Jesus came and showed us how we're to live these lives. He lived the perfect, sinless life before us. 
and he let us know that yes, we can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He came and he gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He died for me. If I had to die for myself, I'd still be in the grave. But understand that Jesus was the only one that could die, raised from the dead, and never die again. And so that's what he did. He came down. He sacrificed himself. He stretched out his arms. Can't you see him? how they nailed him in his hands? They nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. Pierced him in his side. Hugging before his father in heaven and his mother on earth. He hung him between two thieves. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He died, I tell you. Hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. Gave up the ghost and died on Calvary's cross. But the story don't end there. There's good news here. Because the Bible, they put him in a ball man's tomb. He stayed there all Friday, all day Saturday, Saturday night, but early on the third day. He rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. It's Jesus, I tell you. It's Jesus, I tell you. If it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your death. Thank you for your burial. Thank you for your resurrection. Lord, thank you. I can't thank you enough. The Bible declares that he's sitting on the right-hand side. And he's making intercession for us. Jesus' work still is not done. He's still praying for us. Yes, every time the accuser comes before the father and says, look at your children down there. Look at how they're acting up. Jesus steps to the plate and says, but I died for that father. I gave, I shed my blood for that Lord. But oh, he's coming back again. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back. And I look forward to him coming back. Will you be ready? You ain't going to be ready with rocks in your hands. Put your rocks down. Let us begin to judge righteously. Let us begin to judge with love and compassion. Because we want them to be saved. The Bible says that it's not God's will that any man should perish. But that all men will come unto repentance. That is our end goal here. Is to get people to see the errors of their ways. And how they're struggling in this life. How they're fighting battles that they ain't got no business fighting. Don't you know that God has already given you the victory? The freedom that you're looking for is already here for you. If you would just believe. If you would just receive it. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Is there one? Amen, amen, amen.